This episode of Life Accelerated is brought to you by Equisoft, a leading global provider of end-to-end cloud-based solutions with deep domain expertise in the life insurance industry. To learn more, visit Equisoft.com. In today's world, you can't succeed without technology, and digitization is a key component for a client-facing organization. Most people will first go to customer. How do we digitize and simplify and better serve the customer? But digitization is also about our own employees, and how do we actually make it better for our employees to serve our customers? I'm Anthony O'Donnell, and this is Life Accelerated, a podcast for life insurers striving to achieve digital transformation. In this episode of Life Accelerated, our guest is Deb Waters, Chief Technology Officer of Aegon. The Netherlands-based company is one of the world's largest financial services companies, significant not only for its established operations in Europe, as well as its emerging businesses in Brazil and China, but also for its major expansion of its U.S. business, resulting from Aegon's 1999 acquisition of Transamerica. Waters talks about digital transformation at the enterprise level, but also as a matter of building back Transamerica's prominence in the U.S. market. Waters is a career technologist who started her career in aerospace and then rose in the ranks during a long tenure at Citi. As a classic CTO, Waters thinks of digital transformation as an end-to-end process, beginning with infrastructure and resulting in first-class customer and distributor experience. She talks about simplification of core systems and of the customer experience powered by emerging data sources and capabilities. She also emphasizes Aegon's work on its retirement business and its focus on providing a digital experience for its advisors. Deb, it's a great pleasure to be with you this morning. Our guests on Life Accelerated range in their backgrounds across business and technology, but I think it's fair to say that you're a true technologist. Hi, Anthony. Yes, thank you very much, and I'm thrilled to be here, but I am a true technologist. Well, tell us a little bit how your career journey took you to your current role at Aegon. Absolutely. So speaking as a career technologist, I have a computer science degree. So going way back when at this point, I knew I wanted to be in technology. I spent my early career actually in aerospace. So that was really interesting work. And from there, I wanted to move back to New York. And what do you do when you work in New York? You work in finance. So I spent the majority of my career building software for different businesses within my old company, many, many jobs over many, many years building software that accelerated the business, made the business more efficient. And about a year and a half ago, I moved over to Aegon to join us as our chief technology officer, and it has been a fun ride so far. So what are your duties as chief technology officer, and what are your responsibilities from a strategic point of view? So as chief technology officer, I'm responsible for info security, which is as strategic as it gets these days. It's one of the most important things we do as a company to protect our clients and also to protect our own reputation. I'm responsible for data and really defining how we best should manage data and policies and procedures around data. I run infrastructure, so any migrations that we want to do to cloud and supporting our legacy platforms. I support and run technology for all the businesses, so all the software that's built to help accelerate our businesses as well. And then, of course, we have risk and controls, and I actually even support procurement. All right. To put this into context, maybe you can talk a little bit about Aegon's place in the global life insurance and financial services market. Absolutely. So Aegon is an integrated, diversified international financial services company. So what do I mean by that? I mean, we offer investment protection, retirement solutions, 
And what's great is our purpose, and our purpose is to help people live their best lives. So we are really focused on three core markets, which are the Netherlands, our home, the U.S., and the U.K. We have three growth markets, which are Brazil, China, and then Spain and Portugal, we consider as one. And then we have a global asset manager. So we are a really diversified company. We're head officed in The Hague, which is where I actually am today. And we have a very strong presence in the United States under our brand Transamerica. And what's the history of Transamerica and when Aegon came into the U.S. market as the acquirer of Transamerica? So Aegon is a very long-living company. We have a 175-year history. We came into the U.S., I want to say 30 or so years ago. We were a really strong business 20-so years ago. And over the last few years, we had moved away from some of the strength in the industry, and we are now building back our company and our reputation. We were historically a really well-known company. Our brand, which is the Transamerica building in San Francisco, is a very recognizable brand. It still is our logo, and we are very excited on where we're going with Transamerica over the next few years. All right. And I'm sure that a big part of where you're going in that building back of the brand, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with the iconic building in San Francisco. So a big part of that is going to be digital transformation. And that's why we're here today. So how does Aegon think about digital transformation and in particular about digital transformation in the US? And how do you as a leader think about it? So we, and then me personally, Think about digital transformation really from two aspects. Most people will first go to customer. How do we digitize and simplify and better serve the customer? But digitization is also about our own employees and how do we actually make it better for our employees to serve our customers. So first of all, we think about it from those two perspectives. Then we also think about it end to end because when you think about digitization, you can't think about a piece. You need to think about the whole flow and making sure that you are automating the entire process. It also involves all the teams. This is not just a technology solution. It is working with the business partners, with risk and control, with legal, with compliance, to make sure that we are putting the right controls, processes, and actually working with that broad group gets us a much faster time to market. It means making sure that we're creating user journeys, and those user journeys can be both internal or external customer-facing, and it means being quick and involving to the needs of our clients. In today's world, you can't succeed without technology, and digitization is a key component for a client-facing organization. And what do you see as some of the most important business challenges faced by life insurers and how technology can address them? I mean, this digital moment that we're in, I guess you could say. Well, first and foremost, when you think of digital, you have to think of data. And you need your data right if you're going to digitize. Let's say you have a bunch of emails. If you've had 20-year-olds sets of data, chances are your emails are wrong. So you need to get your data right if you're going to digitize. If you're going to think about data, you then need to think about privacy, particularly for a company or an industry like ours, where we have a lot of personal information about our clients and customers, and we need to make sure we're protecting that. So putting the right technical controls around data privacy is really important. I think also when you think about digitization, it's about making things simpler, if you think about your personal life, everybody uses technology to make their lives simpler. That's what it should be for an insurance company and for us at Aegon in particular. You should be able to quickly and easily 
submit a claim in an automated way that gets it returned back to you as quickly as possible. You should be able to apply for insurance online in a very simple to follow digitization process. It's also about time to market. So it's about how quickly we can turn around that process because within insurance, there's a lot of actuarial needs and all those components take time to do. But if you have the process automated and digitized, it simplifies it. I thought it might be interesting to elaborate a little bit more on the end-to-end concept that you talked about. I think it's great that you're a CTO. You're a person who's experienced with the entire value chain, shall we say, of insurance technology. And I thought maybe you could elaborate on how the whole stack matters, that you can't have this last-mile customer simplicity without having the right infrastructure and other technologies, architecture beneath it. I thought you might comment on how that works, how that continuity is crucial, but also what are some of the technologies we're adapting to insurance that are so important today, like cloud? So when I talk end-to-end, it means from the start of the process all the way through to the end of the process, which would mean If we are creating a policy for a new client, that our distribution network or advisors can easily display different products for the clients. Or if we're talking about our retirement, a retiree or somebody who's investing for their retirement can pick which approach they want to retire. So you create the front end piece of that, making it simple for the client to do. But when you're dealing with the insurance industry, and we are behind other industries, We have a lot of legacy technology. Companies like ours that are 175 years old have a lot of applications that have been around for a long time. And so they tend to be very monolithic applications, harder to change. So what you need to do is you need to change the how. It becomes how you're working. You want to change those monolithic applications to smaller applications, more API-driven so that you can change the components. And when you have those different components, you can then build those components into the interface that the either internal user or our customer sees. And so it's also about time to market, right? Some of these legacy pieces, if you have a regulatory change, if you have a lot of legacy, that becomes harder. Or if you have an integrated multiple systems that do the same kind of processing, you have three times or four times or whatever times the amount of work. So all of that becomes really important in thinking about what you're trying to do to serve the client. And then, of course, in today's world, you want to go to cloud. And the reason you want to go to cloud is scalability. We intend to grow as an organization. In order to grow, we want to make it easy if we have the software on the cloud. As we expand, whether it's a new product or a new set of clients or information about the clients, you can almost automatically get that capacity as opposed to historically where you'd have to bring something into your data center and you'd have to order it and it would take some time and it would be even more costly. Now, cloud, also you have to be smart because if you're not thoughtful in how you implement your solutions in the cloud, you're not going to get the benefit. So there's lots of different ways to do it. And that is really important part of how we're building technology now. So we have the infrastructure question where we're moving systems to the cloud And by this, we address the classic problem in insurance over the last few decades has been one of systems integration. And this was one of the greatest liabilities of legacy core systems. But now with the cloud infrastructure, we also have, as you were alluding to, the ability to integrate using APIs, connecting microservices. And I thought you might also elaborate on the evolving role of data. I think that if you are, again, a company that's been around for a long time, as opposed to a startup that has the luxury of building from scratch and ensuring that when you capture the data, you put the controls on the 
UI to make sure I'm putting an address in or a phone number. US-based phone number should be three digits, three digits, four digits. It has to be digits. It can't be letters, things like that. Now what we've started to do is put those kind of controls to make the data quality better. But we also have to be really thoughtful in how you bring the data together. Many companies that have been around for a long time have multiple data repositories. So you have duplicate data. You have to work together to bring all the data together to make the data quality the appropriate level of quality. You need to make it easy to maintain. And actually, you even want to make it possible, if it's customer data, to allow the customer to maintain it. So once a year, you put a note on your website, say, please go and check your contact information. Ensure that it's fine. You do it in a very secure way. Whenever you talk about data, you have to talk about it really securely. But data is going to be key to every industry, not just our industry, right? Even if we look at chat GPT, and we can talk about that a little bit later, having the right data helps our sales force do a better job supporting a client. Having our data helps the client get to what they need more quickly and more efficiently. And it also helps us analyze what would be in the best interest for our clients and how do we actually help those clients. So data is the core to so much that we are going to do as an industry and as a company. While we're still talking on a theoretical level, why don't you talk about ChatGPT and generative AI? It's, we're in the month of June 2023, and this is a really hot topic. What's your take? It is a really hot topic. I think it's going to be a significant game changer. I think if I look from a technology perspective, where I see enormous opportunity is how do I make my developers more productive? You want to do more. In order to do more, you need capacity. In order to create capacity, the best thing you can do is make your developers more productive. Developers do a lot of repetitive tasks. They do a lot of what they would say boring tasks. Oh, we have to document our code. We have to do error processing in our code. If you can leverage ChatGPT to do some of these tasks, then you can focus your development organization on anything that's creating you competitive advantage. It gives them time to be thoughtful, to focus on what is actually important to the business. It takes the basic things out. And actually, frankly, I think it's going to make your job really more fun. Every developer, if you ask them, doesn't like to do the boring kind of stuff. They have to. But what they love is the challenge and the problem solving that writing software creates. And ChatGPT is going to create an enormous opportunity for that. There's also lots of other opportunities with ChatGPT. Think of a servicing organization where you can call in and all the information about that client is right at your fingertips in a very simple way. You know what the last call was. Companies have struggled for years to pull up that information and make it simple and easy. Or let the client self-serve. You know, they can ask the question and ChatGPT is going to be much easier for them to use and talk in natural language and get the answers. So I think we're in for a big revolution. I think it's going to take us a little bit of time, and I think we need to be careful and thoughtful, right? Because there are dilemmas that come with it. It's not fully matured yet. But I think over the next five years, we're going to see some really fabulous things coming out of this. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, it seems to me a lot like what we saw with RPA or robotic process automation. But it seems like generative AI is providing a new avenue of automation and as such, a new arrangement of what humans and machines can do. Absolutely. And it's going to take time, by the way, for people to learn, right? If you think how you use this, it's about asking the right question. And it takes a little bit of time to learn how to ask the right questions. So it's going to be a very fun time, frankly. And I think the next generation, this is going to be an integral part of how they actually live and operate. 
Yeah, we will. It's going to be very interesting as we work out the risk and the opportunity of generative AI. Okay, so we've been talking at a kind of theoretical level. Share with us some of the concrete initiatives that are happening at Aegon, some of the things that the company is doing to build back, as you said before, to differentiate customer experience and also introduce new efficiencies in internal processes. I talked about how Aegon has multiple businesses, and one of our big focuses is retirement. So if I talk about what we're doing in the U.S., We've made really big moves in the last couple of years on our retirement platforms from a modernization perspective. Of course, from an architectural perspective, moving to cloud, being more API specific, but from a digital perspective, we've actually simplified our ability to log on. We had multiple platforms and you had to sometimes remember different passwords. We've created a single entry point. We've made it easier for you to pick the plan you're interested in. We put better information on the plans so that you can more effectively select the plan. We've added suggestions based on some data and questions to help you meet your retirement goals. We've made it easier to submit contributions if you want to contribute. Actually, so much so that there's a company called Corporate Insights, which is a company that provides competitive intelligence and customer experience research across multiple industries. We were ranked as excellent by them in 2023. 19 companies were evaluated, but what it basically is saying is the work we've put in to digitize the experience around retirement is actually starting to be recognized in the industry. We've done a lot of work in life to simplify the process for our sales forces and our advisors so that they have a better approach, even from prospecting all the way through to closing the policy itself and underwriting. That's been a really, really big focus for us in the U.S. In the U.K., we've also spent quite a bit of time focusing on our digital experience for the retirement We've had an amazing program where we've actually worked with clients, again, from an agile perspective. We've gone through it, and then when we've gone through one of our sprints, we've actually asked clients, hey, take a look. What do you think about this? And made adjustments before we actually released. So we are really focused on simplifying our internal experience and then making sure that we are supporting the customers in a way that makes it easy for them to work with us. Has Aegon been making progress on systems consolidation in the larger issue of systems integration? Yeah, slowly but surely, right? This is a big challenge for many companies, especially that have been around a long time or have grown through acquisition. So you can't always quickly, especially in life insurance, when your policies are X many years long. So we are making progress on retirements, but we are also making progress on building layers on top of our complex backend to simplify the experience. And again, it goes back to the how we're operating to make it possible to have that data available to re-engineer our front ends to make the experience better. Well, Deb, let's shift over to a discussion about staffing and talent. I wanted to ask you how Aegon has experienced the talent challenge or the great resignation, as it's been called, and how your organization is attracting, recruiting, and retaining top talent. I think like any other organization, there's always a focus on talent and retention. I think that we've handled things quite well. We have been able to do an excellent job with retention, but it's more or equally about attraction. And how do you retain and attract employees? You make their jobs interesting. And so the work we're doing and where we are as a company in our journey so we have a new CEO. He's been here about three years. He's made some significant changes to the organization from a business perspective that are 
very exciting, but it also invigorates the organization. So when everybody knows we're all rowing in the same direction, that we have a huge opportunity to bring this company back into the heydays that we saw from Transamerica or any of our other arms, that's how you attract attention. And then you make sure the work is interesting, right? We listen to our staff. We make sure that we give them the right tools to make development easier. And we have a little bit of fun because that's what keeps people. And I think this whole change with COVID has been a very interesting change from a talent perspective. It has opened doors for companies to bring in talent from locations that they might not have historically brought. I mean, I am 100% work from home and travel, which if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would have never said that that's a possibility, nor would I have said, would I be productive in that type of role? But we see it's possible. Let me interrupt that because you obviously have an American accent, a rather specific one, which is near and dear to my heart. Uh, <laughs> but you work for a company that's based in the Netherlands. I do. So where do you work from and how do you interact with your teams in the different geographies? So I am New York-based and I work from my extra bedroom. So I have a very <laughs> well set up home office and I travel. So this week I happen to be in The Hague. We do a lot of work on videos and I think you have to work for it and you have to make it important. So whenever I travel, I sit down with staff. So when I was here earlier this week, we do what I call a round table and we invite anyone from the team to come on in, sit down, ask me any questions. I'm also really focused on inclusion and diversity, so I happen to have a fabulous event today with what we call Young Aegon, which made me feel wonderful since I got to be part of Young Aegon and got to sit with all those folks and answer their questions. So I think you have to be very deliberate when you're working in this kind of environment, be very communicative. Hey, I'm going to be in Edinburgh in August. Let's let everyone know. Let's ahead of time check vacations before I decide to fly over and things like that. I'm going to put you on the spot here. As a person who came from outside the industry, how would you make the pitch for talented young professionals to join the insurance industry? So I would say that we are evolving and that for you to come in and bring your energy and your excitement and your new thought processes to our technology organizations, you will find that we are an open organization, that we want your perspective, that will listen to your perspective, but we will also teach you. So you will have a nice balance of bringing what's new and exciting that you've learned, whether it's in college or right out of college, and couple it with people who have seasoned experience who can show you a suite of skills that will help you grow your career in the next 10 years. Well, in the interest of talking about how these technology and business challenges are going to play out in the coming years, what would you identify as some of the major external issues that you and your senior insurance industry executive peers are facing? And these could be economic, political, demographic, or about emerging risk or mortality factors. You know, this is an interesting world we live in these days. There's so much going on. Even look at the wildfires. You know, my husband sent me a picture yesterday from our home and how bad the sky was because of the wildfires in Canada. Very, very terrible. But I think the challenges we have as an industry is data privacy. And I think it's more than just the insurance industry. With so much data available online, that's a big challenge for every company, protecting the company and the customers. I think cyber... And it doesn't matter if you're a technologist or you're the CEO, you have to be worrying about cyber. So that's an industry challenge. And the bad guys are always finding new and innovative ways to do bad things. So you really have to be on top of that. I think that you have to manage speed to market 
in our industry. Make sure you're able to release products that are relevant to your customer base and evolve as your customer base evolves. So I think that is a challenge for us. And then I think the legacy that we talked about when you're many of the insurance companies, particularly the U.S., are long existing companies that have a legacy of software that they have to figure out how to modernize. And the markets, the way the markets have been, you know, that's been a challenge for not just the insurance industry, the finance industry, the banks that went under this year in the U.S. had a big impact, the rise in insurance rate. It also lets you step back and think about what the products you need because different products for different times. So I think we're under a lot of pressure and I think it's about being flexible and staying in tune with what is going on in all these different aspects so that you as a company can adjust as needed. Well, Deb, a final question for you looking back to your agenda. What would you identify as your three indispensable initiatives for digital transformation? So we have an amazing and growing network of advisors in the United States who we need to make sure can distribute our products. So digitization will continue to be a priority for them, improving the advisor experience and making sure we're doing it in an agile way and getting their voice. This goes back to the whole end-to-end and the agile way of working. We also need to continue to focus on simplifying our end-user experience, making it really easy to operate with us so that, you know, people come to us at times of crisis for them, and we want to make it easy for them to operate so that we can help them. Or they come to us when they have a new baby and there is a life change. We want to make them feel really great about the experience they've had with Aegon or Transamerica. And then finally, we need to continue the legacy system modernization. That is definitely a challenge. And it's not just a challenge from speed to market. It's also a security challenge, right? A lot of the old legacy code doesn't come with the security that you get when you build it into the cloud from the beginning in the right way. So that's the other challenge and focus that we have. Well, Deb, it's been great talking with you. Thank you so much for being a guest on Life Accelerated. Thank you, Anthony, for having me. One of the things I most enjoyed about talking with Deb Waters was her point of view as a lifelong technologist, from her student days to her current role as a senior executive at a prominent global insurer. I found her enthusiasm infectious, not only in her passion for simplifying Aegon's technology environment and delivering a first-class experience for customers and advisors, but on other topics as well. For example, on how to make working in insurance appealing to young talent, and also Waters' very positive take on the potential of generative AI. That positivity was appropriately balanced by her CTO's very serious focus on security and privacy in our discussion on industry challenges. Thank you for joining us for the Life Accelerated podcast. For more relevant content to help you achieve digital transformation, visit equisoft.com slash life accelerated.